0: UK grocery giant Tesco has been on a bumpy road in the last few years, but that hasn't stopped it from building a world-class supply chain. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. In terms of the problems it's faced, Tesco is hardly unusual. Like nearly all grocery retailers, it faces extremely thin margins, which leave precious little room for error. But Tesco has also been grappling with some unique challenges, including an accounting scandal in late 2014, the failure of its fresh and easy stores in the U.S., and a change in executive leadership. Through it all, Tesco has emerged as one of the leaders in supply chain efficiency and innovation. Its journey toward that goal is told in a new book called The Lean Supply Chain, Managing the Challenge at Tesco. The authors, Barry Evans and Robert Mason, are with us today to tell the story behind the company's initiatives, which were actually inspired by Toyota and translated into the grocery sector. Evans has held multiple roles at Tesco and is a senior research associate within the Lean Enterprise Research Center at Cardiff Business School where Mason is a senior lecturer in the Logistics and Operations Management section. We're going to talk about Tesco's application of Lean Six Sigma to the supply chain sector, how it tackled the Omnichannel, and where it might go from here. So here is my conversation with Barry Evans and Robert Mason. Barry Evans, welcome to the program. Hi, Bob. And Robert Mason, welcome.
1: Uh, good evening from the UK.
0: Thanks to both of you for being on the show to talk about the lean supply chain at Tesco. You Both of you have written an excellent book on the subject, and we will link to it on our show notes at the end. I want to start, though, Barry, maybe you could answer this question. You know, Tesco is clearly a household name in the UK and in many countries as well maybe a little bit less known in the United States. So for our American listeners, could you give us just a brief capsule description of Tesco?
2: Yep, uh, absolutely. It was founded by a couple of guys in 1919, working off a market stall, selling tea uh, originally. Over the years, it's grown and grown and grown. It's been managed in virtually all of its existence by Tesco insiders, so four managing directors until... Dave Lewis came about a year ago. He came from Unilever. Essentially, they're a a high street uh, food retailer. That's that's their origins. And competing in a pretty competitive marketplace with five or six other UK multiple uh, retailers. In 1995 or thereabouts, Terry Leahy, who was shortly to become their chief exec, decided on a, on a major change of focus for the business. And he believed that if Tesco focused on delivering value for customers, focusing on what customers wanted, rather than, as, as he has said, merely trying to compete with competitors, they would achieve and deliver a USP, a unique selling point. And that, in my view, is the basis for
0: their success. In the process of doing so, did they look to Toyota as an example or a benchmark for excellence in supply chain back in 95?
1: In Cardiff Business School in the UK, Dan Jones, who was uh, an author of the Lean books that looked at the automotive industry, wanted to see whether some of the lessons that Lean was applying through the model companies like Toyota could be applied to other sectors. Uh, and Tesco were keen to look to, to improve their supply chain performance uh, and to lean up their supply chain. And hence, there was a marriage between The researchers at Cardiff Business School and the appetite in Tesco to relook at their whole supply chain to see whether some of the automotive lessons that Toyota had applied could be applied to uh, a Tesco situation.
0: Well, that's interesting because you have to ask how many points of overlap there are between automotive and grocery retail supply chains. I'm assuming that there were enough to make it an interesting example to go forward with.
1: There's a lot of similarities. In, in essence, you, you have a, a customer at the end of the supply chain, and you have a, a series of value-adding steps along the supply chain, and time is taken up as you progress along those steps from raw material to the end consumer consuming the item. Whether that be a car or whether that be a basket of grocery items, in some ways is, there a, is, is not the, the, the issue the issue is then how do you actually get good quality and good reliability in your supply chain so that you can then take time compression out of your operation and actually move, if you like, the demand signals so that they're closer to what the customers really demanding rather than artificial demand signals. And the supply chain, if you like, sort of behaves at the, at the right chime and the right sort of pace to what the customer is looking for, not what the producer is trying to push down the supply chain. Um, so there's a lot of synergies.
0: So, Barry, you've held multiple roles in Tesco that were very relevant yep. to this effort. So tell me a little bit about how they how Tesco moved forward to achieve what, in fact, at least on paper, is something that every company claims they are. Every company claims they are customer-focused, That so the customers number one, et cetera, et cetera. How did they go about doing more than just giving lip service to that concept?
2: I would cite probably three strands to to that. Firstly, their loyalty card, club card, which collected data on what each individual customer was buying. Not on an average, but basket by basket by basket. So you could detect trends. So you could see what was going up, what what was declining, whatever. So a huge amount of information about customers wanted. Secondly, they realized that grocery retailing consists of a few incredibly repetitive tasks. So if you think of a, of a customer with a shopping basket going through a checkout, that's, that's repeated millions and millions and millions of times a year. If you think of an operative working in a warehouse filling a, a store replenishment order, again, Millions and millions and millions of cases being loaded into delivery receptacles over over the course of the year. So the the point of all that is that if you can improve those operations, even by a millisecond, that has a huge bottom line effect. And the third, and I think this is the critical difference, is that unlike an automobile manufacturer, what Tesco customers wanted was unknown to Tesco so I'm a, I'm a customer walking into the store, and I want to buy two of this and five of those and, and one of the other, whatever it might be. But that's unknown to Tesco. It's on my shopping list. And the, and the point of that is that the more you can reduce the time taken to get through the supply chain, the better you can be at actually detecting what customers are buying and hence make your replenishment processes much slicker, much more accurate and using that club card data that I talked about first you can be, you can begin to build trends and all the rest of it and I think those are the three three critical things that I would uh, pick out
0: Robert you at Cardiff were you able to help Tesco with this idea of customer sensing did you have other examples on which to draw that you could bring to the table for Tesco
1: We did we brought together a number of industry partners across various sectors. And I think sort of uh, Tesco learned a lot from the from the other companies or what they were looking at. From Tesco's point of view, I think that Barry hit on a, a key point that they were getting a lot of data from their customer loyalty card that they'd introduced, but we're, were beginning to work out how they could use it. And one of the key things that we try to help them with is to, to understand, to unpick what customers really value and what they could do to actually work towards that. I take the view that some of their competitors, would just look at the supply chain and delivering the groceries to the actual supermarket shelf. What Tesco began to realize was actually how to make life easier in delivering the groceries all the way through to the customer at their homes was, was a key. And what they valued, not just in money, not just in time, but in sort of search energy costs, if you like, they looked, took, took a much wider basket of value metrics. And as a consequence, went into things like convenience retail stores or online retailing much, much earlier than the, some of the competition did.
0: Okay, well, here's where a possible contradiction arises when you talk about giving the customer what it wants based on what the customer essentially tells you that he or she wants. My understanding of grocery retailing and, indeed, all kinds of brick-and-mortar retailing is the idea that a lot of your success depends on the magic of the impulse buy. In other words, you get the customer into the store to shop for what's on their list, but then you very cleverly position certain items within their site that they didn't know they were going to buy, thereby raising your margin significantly. So how do you square the idea of simply existing to serve the customer based on what the customer wants versus presenting the customer with something that they didn't even know they wanted? So where does customer sensing come in there? I think uh, what
1: you're Barry, getting to is is marketing. So I will finish off quickly: is the the marketing offer and how that that, if you like, works in retail. To some extent, our book and our work with Tesco didn't focus on that area. What we focused on is basically how to make the supply chain and the logistics that support the supply chain work as well as it could do. So if somebody buys that impulse item, how can we make sure that that stock doesn't get sold out? It's still replenished properly. What customers actually buy. That's up to them. What we were interested in, how we make the supply chain and logistics work efficiently and effectively so that the customer always had the availability of the
2: stock that they were looking to get.
0: Barry, did you find that challenge within Tesco? Yes, and, and
2: one of the things that we talk about in, in the book is their systems, and they develop a continuous replenishment system, which at the time they were the only retailer in the world that had this capability. And to an extent, I think they still are. Uh, Other retailers are trying to do it. And essentially, what continuous replenishment does is capture store sales not on a daily basis, so that stores are polled every day, but they're polled every half hour, so that you can see what the shape of sales is looking like over that 24-hour period until you poll them again. So you've, you've got this continuous polling, and what that tells you is you can see how products are selling through the day, where you can see that a, a product suddenly went off sale, there was nothing being scanned through the checkout and maybe 20 minutes later, half an hour later, it appears to come back on sale. It tells you that the back, back store staff aren't doing their job properly, they're not replenishing the shelves. So you can begin to, to build patterns and particularly then if you want to know about your, your impulse purchases that you talked about. You can begin to see, was that on sale all the time? What was the shape like? Did it go off sale? Have we estimated wrongly the, the amount of product we need for this store on, on the replenishment order or whatever it might be? So, again, it, it's using data in a very smart and disciplined way to actually tell you more about the capability of, of your replenishment process.
0: I have often thought that the term Lean Six Sigma carries also within it an inherent contradiction, and especially in the case of Tesco, where you talk about in the book how there's just this laser focus on on on-shelf availability. It's one of the three core values, the other being price and service, but availability is just king, it seems to me, at Tesco. And indeed, you you employ six sigma methods in order to measure availability, one of the strictest, most rigorous ways of figuring that you're on target. On the other hand, you have lean, in which you're stripping what you consider to be any kind of waste out of your supply chain, any kind of buffer stock that you don't really need, thereby sometimes undercutting the possibility that you're going to be excellent in on-shelf availability. Am I wrong in thinking that sometimes those two concepts clash?
2: I think they clash if... And the if is that if your supply chain isn't capable, because to me, Lean Six Sigma is, is a measure of capability. How close can we, can we narrow the curve such that we, we've got this sort of Six Sigma capability? It says that the variation either side is getting less and less, and you, you're getting a spike distribution curve rather than a true bell-shaped. And I, I guess it's like Lean. You can't do Lean until you become more capable. You can't apply Six Sigma until you grow that capability. So I think if you try to do it before you've got that capability, then it's a disaster and you are going to get counterproductive results. To my way of thinking, the companies that have effectively used those combined have also consistently grown their capability. And that's capability in three ways. It's got to be people, system and process. Those three go together.
0: Robert, you see that you have to take care at Cardiff in guiding the companies that you deal with to avoid that trap that might fall into?
1: Yeah, it's very much, you can't jump into lean, I don't think. You've got to build up the tools around it first. So you've got to have a quality and reliability in your system. Unless you've got that, then you're a fool taking inventory out because you've got a a real danger of of suffering uh, stockouts. So you've got to have reliability in, in the standards that you apply um, and that takes a lot of work. It takes tr- you know, training of individuals, it takes design of, of standards, it takes consistency uh, for Tesco for example applying across all their stores or all their distribution centres and everyone knowing exactly what their role is and to do their job time after time. Once you've got reliability though in your supply chain you can then start to take inventory away and then you measure the effect of that, that all, all the time on your your key metric, which is your availability. So you try and keep availability really high. At the same time, you try and reduce the inventory down, um, primarily by using the continuous replenishment technique Barry talked about, where you, you're ordering uh, very, very frequently. So you're not just doing it every every day or every week. You're doing it in, a, in very small time buckets. So you're just getting the exact amount of, of product you need Um, each wind delivery window that you're flowing the stock through. Uh, And what Tesco did was basically tighten that up so they're getting frequent replenishments of stock rather than infrequent replenishments.
0: Okay, so where are the suppliers, though? Is Tesco sourcing mostly domestically or are there foreign suppliers it has to deal with as well?
1: In the ones that are are more locally based, Tesco will ask for just-in-time supply. They actually move to themselves, as we noticed in the book, taking over the responsibility for the distribution um, rather than the the suppliers doing so in what they call factory gate pricing. So they only paid for the the product that was made, not a product made plus transport. And the reason was that companies were wanting originally to to give them full lorry loads of of products, but obviously as Tesco went to a leaner supply model, they only wanted enough stock to support them to the next delivery. Uh, and that wasn't enough often to fill lorries, so they went to then consolidation centres to get full of uh, lorries as possible of amalgamated stock um, that were consolidated close to of partnering suppliers. But these sort of partnering deals that p- suppliers came up with weren't optimising the whole. What was best if, for Tesco is if they took over that that inbound distribution. So the, the factory gate pricing sort of revolution that they did was a direct result of the leaner supply chain with the more UK-based suppliers. So Tesco Sorry. was
0: running the consolidation centers?
1: Yeah. So Tesco took over the inbound consolidation network um, into their distribution mm-hmm. centers, yeah.
0: Literally literally took it over or did it turn it over to a third, a third party or an outside logistics service provider to run them?
1: And mate, Which... Tesco's always had a policy of, of a mixed approach, mm-hmm. So they're, they're capable of yeah. running their own distribution centers and their own transport, but they'll outsource many of the distribution centers and transport as well, uh, and keep their outsource providers under pressure to say, can you do it as well as we can?
0: Barry, did you have a comment you wanted to make on this?
2: The the other thing that is, is very important here is that every, I guess everybody knows Pareto's law, uh, 80-20. By uh, sheer good fortune, the other bit of Pareto is 50-10, and... Tesco found, uh, well, I found because I did the original work on this, that 10% of the product range in a grocery, uh, ambient grocery distribution center, accounted for 50% of the throughput. Okay, so let numbers sink in. 10% of the range accounts for 50% of the volume. And that product can be bought in just in time. So you have different ordering systems on suppliers to suit the different dynamics of products. So those products would be ordered just in time and would not be put away to stock in, in a warehouse. They would come in enough for today's orders. And so things like that, by having different types of ordering system to suit the dynamics and the nature of different products, you make big improvements. And it, this is, a, for me, one of the best examples of one size fits all actually keeps you suboptimal you need to have the appropriate system to suit the dynamics of the products you're looking at.
0: Okay, I want to bring us up to date. We don't have too much more time, but more recently, Tesco hit a few bumps in the road. There was the accounting scandal of September of 2014. There was the failure of the fresh and easy stores in the United States. Dave Lewis comes in from Unilever to kind of clean house in 2014, the new CEO. Where is Tesco right now, especially in the age of the omni-channel? What are the challenges and how is it moving forward?
2: The three big challenges facing retail are omnichannel. Tesco is well advanced on that. They were one of the early movers into online ordering, for example. Their convenience stores, uh, small neighborhood stores, they have, I think it's 3,000 of these currently or something like that. They started to move into um, neighborhood stores in late 90s and are by by far the um, most developed of the main multiple retailers in, in terms of that. The challenge has been the discounters, and that's why there's been such a dramatic shift in the UK market, brought on by the global financial crisis, prompting consumers to look at ways to to manage the uh, reduced family income. So the discounters have grown very big, and the the major multiples have had to adapt to that. And, And there's evidence that Tesco and the others are doing so. And I think the key thing to maybe mention is that for the first time in four years, Tesco has actually had better like-for-like comparatives to last year. And that was in quarter three, which is finished in uh, November of last year.
0: What we call same store sales when you say like-for-like, same store
2: sales. Exactly. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, Robert, how do you see the current challenge and the future challenge of Tesco?
2: Well, I think
1: Barry's summed it up very well. It's sort of the digital growth, the growth in convenience shopping, and the growth in the, the discount offer, the three threats. Tesco, in some ways, are well-positioned. In other ways, they're not so well-positioned. They're well-positioned because they went early in lots of those areas of movement, so they're ahead of the curve on lots of them. But they've got a problem in the sense that they've got a lot of large stores that they're struggling to keep filled with, with relevant sort of merchandise as the store, as customers go to the large stores less often and buy um, lower amounts in those large stores. I think where we found that Tesco were very strong, and I think this is, it is proving to be useful to help them in their future, is the Tesco business model and the way Tesco operate, the attitude of the Tesco way, is a very strong, if you like, mechanism for them. And I think Dave Lewis has been pleasantly surprised when he's gone in there to, despite the company having some problems, as you highlighted, actually to see the, the resonance um, of, of resilience, if you like, within the business because of this strong commercial ethic um, and the strong way of, of thinking about problems and proactively acting and sorting things out. And I think you're, you're beginning to see the strength of Tesco and the ability to pick up some of these problems quite early on actually put them in a good state compared to some of their leading competitors in the, sort of the top 10 retailers in the world. I think Tesco probably have caught a, a crab, if you like, earlier than some of the others. But I think they'll, they'll show that they're quicker to come out of the problems uh, than some of the other top 10 competitors they've got globally. And I think it's, that there's some big challenges out there, but Tesco, I think, are in a good position to try and deal with them.
0: Well, certainly very little room for error in a business with such challenging margins and heavy, heavy competition from all directions The book is The Lean Supply Chain, Managing the Challenge at at Tesco. Authors Barry Evans and Robert Mason, I'd like to thank both of you gentlemen for being with us so much. And I will link again to this book in the show notes so our readers can read it. It's an excellent book, real education about what a company can do in order to succeed in today's very challenging retail environment. Thanks to both of you for being with us.
2: Our pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: That was my conversation with Barry Evans and Robert Mason, authors of a new book on the lean supply chain at Tesco. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes.